And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Back to the conversation. Craig Roberts in studio. Jim Grassi, our guest. Information, by the way, again on the web at mensministrycatalyst.org. That's mensministrycatalyst.org. Jim's latest book, Finishing Well, Finishing Strong, newly published by Thomas Nelson, available through Amazon.com, I would imagine. But they can also order it online through your website. Through our website. Excellent. Mensministrycatalyst.org. Before we get into the issue of the NFL, Jim, um, let, let's talk about relatability. Um, we kind of touched on this earlier, but I imagine a lot of guys, they come into church on a Sunday morning, and, uh, you know, guys are not one to let our hair down real rapidly. Becoming vulnerable is not something that we do very easily, just ask our wives. Yep. And so to come into a Sunday morning worship service and have an altar call, and expect afterwards the guys to suddenly be very open, be very vulnerable. Meanwhile, sitting back in the pews, your wife, your three kids are witnessing all of this. This doesn't tend to be the kind of atmosphere where we feel it's safe to be vulnerable at that level. To be sure, the power of the gospel can penetrate into the darkest, deepest parts and caverns of our heart, as it well ought to, and God can do some incredible things in terms of of, of healing and restoration and all of that. Um, But there has to be the appropriate atmosphere, and a lot of times Sunday morning church services are not always the best place for that to happen, are they? No, but you know, it's funny, Craig, it used to be, particularly in the South and Southeast, I mean, the old-time revivals, part of being a man, stepping up to manhood was to connect with your spiritual roots. And the man would not feel awkward at all because he saw himself as a role model, as a potent influence in the family, that if he came forward, he expected that the family would follow. But that kind of influence is something that we need to encourage. Uh, It it always needs to be trained or bred into a man, doesn't it? I mean, a a lot of these men today, and I I don't want to get in trouble here, but the guys send me all kinds of nasty emails, but we're emaciated. We're we're, we're pansies sometimes. We're we're afraid to speak up. We're afraid to take our proper role as heads of our households or leaders within the church. And, and, And maybe part of it is because of a lack of relatability that we look at Christianity the way it's presented oftentimes in the in the softer feminine side as we've been discussing mm-hmm. and we don't understand particularly for the new believer that hasn't been properly mentored or discipled we don't understand the relatability of our faith to the working world to business industry politics whatever the case might be we just don't see how the pieces of the puzzle fit and so as a result we feel like we're in this very awkward position where we're almost afraid to show our position and authority or responsibility within the body. And, and it's kind of two sides to the same coin. One, I hear from some people, well, it was a feminist movement of the 70s that, that weakened men and all this kind of thing. Well, the other side of that coin is that as I talk to women today, they want a man to step up and in a respectful way be the head of the home, to be that spiritual leader and uh, a lot of men have acquiesced on that. They have we've acquiesced stepped, a lot of our responsibility, yeah, we, too. We've stepped back. We're strong at, in the workplace, and we come home, and it's kind of like, I've been stressed all day. I don't want to deal with this. And, and I get that. Hey, I've been there as a city manager and, you know, a guy with all kinds of responsibilities. But, you know, ultimately, we have to come back to the biblical definition of manhood, and we've got to look to... The Bible is our source of strength, 
in our pastors and the men that we connect with. And you start off by describing uh, what many churches feel like to men today, you know, this kind of flowery, uh, pastel kind of experience, and that a guy, you know, doesn't feel comfortable coming forward. He doesn't feel comfortable coming forward because in his own men's group or the men around him have not made him feel comfortable that they haven't set an atmosphere of transparency, of encouragement, of, hey, this is a place that you can unwind and it stays here in the room. We need to set that atmosphere in our churches, and that's what we hope, that's the passion that drives us. Do we also have to do a a better job, Jim, of defining expectations and responsibilities? And again, I don't want to make it seem as if I'm making excuses for the guys, and I think this suggests that, well, the feminist movement of the 70s has emaciated a lot of guys. I think that's a bit of a cop-out. But there's also Mm -hmm. a sense, too, that we understand what the biblical model ought to be for masculinity in the home, for example. And how many wives, you talked about the rate of the number of homes Mm -hmm. that have uh, single parent moms, no dad present at all. How many of those children, how many of those mothers and wives want their man to be a man and step up to the plate and live out a godly masculine life? And yet a lot of guys either don't understand what those expectations are or they come from a broken home themselves Mm where they've never seen it modeled, all they've seen is mamby-pamby Christianity or mamby-pamby masculinity, and so they live out what they know because they don't know anything else. And and that's where, again, the spiritual mentoring comes in. There are enough of us guys our age around that we need to help shepherd the 40-somethings that who can then help shepherd the 20-somethings. When you think about the statistic I gave you, which, by the way, is it, all these statistics are in the book and they're totally uh, researched well, when you consider that 41% in general, that's throughout the United States, not counting the inner city issues that are much higher statistic, but when there's no role model around, there, when there's no mentor around, no strong male to help lead and set the pace, that guys now have problems with their masculinity, they, they're not sure, their sexual identity issues, there's all kinds of things. So they turn to pornography or they turn to other things to fulfill this need they have. And, uh, and, and somehow the church, the Christian church, is a logical place for this to become a, a touchstone for for men who are feeling like I need a role model, but we have to have guys step up. Step up. Well, then this also suggests that at the end of the day, if we're going to call upon our men to be men and to be uh, to do a better job at following Christ, to, to follow suggests that there needs to be a leader. And I hearken back to what Paul had said: "Follow mm-hmm. me as I follow Christ." That's right. The sad thing is that there aren't enough leaders out there that can help model for men what That's this right. looks like, what the balanced, uh, appropriate biblical model ought to be for uh, fatherhood and husbandhood and right. leadership within the working world. Exactly. And and that's where, in my mind, we, we as a culture uh, have to um, uh, shape up. 
starting with the top office of the land on down, that we need to uh, be men of integrity, that our character needs to stand for something, that, that, that uh, we, we show our patriotism, that we show what it means to be a man, to be a strong man. And that doesn't mean strong by being authoritative at home and, you know, I, I'm taking charge. It means strength is about, you know, working with people, working within the whole context of family and what that means. Well, even, for example, we've seen recently in the headline news what's been going on with all these cases of, of reported uh, domestic violence and abuse and things of that sort, and some have opined, well, it's just testosterone out of control, yet I look at it and say, this is not a man who's being out of control as a man. This is a man who, in fact, doesn't know how to be a man, a guy exactly. that feels comfortable beating up on a woman who's half his height, half his weight. That's not a masculine man. No. That's not testosterone out of control. That's a man who, in fact, needs a good uh, injection of masculinity. And I want to talk about that when we come back after a brief time out. As we mentioned, uh, Jim has served as the chaplain of both the 49ers and the Raiders. And there's been this argument that there has been a crisis of character with the NFL. Maybe better put, there is a crisis of character within our society today. So how do we raise up masculine men who also know how to respect women. We'll talk about that next. Jim Grassy with us, again, founder and president of Men's Ministry Catalyst on the web at mensministrycatalyst.org. This report is sponsored by Mothers Against Drunk Driving. In San Jose, West Younger Avenue remains shut down uh, North San Pedro to North First for the police investigation to continue at the VTA maintenance yard. Also, all light rail service has been suspended. Walnut Creek, southbound 680, just before Ignacio Valley Road. Car and a pickup truck have collided. They're in the middle lanes. Traffic got a stop from Gregory Lane. In San Leandro, eastbound 580, just past Fairmont Drive. A crash there has the two left lanes blocked. Traffic has stopped from Dutton Avenue. Two-car crash in Redwood City, southbound 101. It's as you approach Whipple and it's over on the right-hand shoulder. That's traffic. I'm Michael Bennett. For victims of drunk and drug driving, our grief is unique. But you are not alone. You always have a place at MAD. Call our 24-hour victim helpline at 877-MAD-HELP or visit mad.org. Securing financial futures for over a century, churches and faith-based organizations have relied on MMBB to provide flexible and affordable benefit plans for over a 100 years. No matter the size of your organization or your budget, they can create a cost-effective and customized benefit plan that meets your unique needs and safeguards your staff's future. For more information, please contact the Reverend Augie Bao at augie.bau at mmbb.org or call 917-209-9911. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Are you dealing with personal or business tax issues with the IRS? Does the thought of wage garnishments, bank levies, tax penalties, or having to engage with the IRS worry you? Owing taxes to the IRS or state can be stressful, and ignoring them can make your situation worse. At Federal Tax Law Group, we help individuals and businesses reduce debts and negotiate with the IRS Fresh Start Program. Our assistance can save you from drowning in taxes and may even keep you free of prosecution. With over two decades, Decades of experience, our tax professionals understand your needs and will customize a tax solution that's in your best interest. Call Federal Tax Law Group at 800-500-9172 for a free consultation to discuss resolving your tax problem. That's 800-500-9172. Again, 800-500-9172. Or visit us online at federaltaxlawgroup.com. 
Buying a home is a great leap of faith. Before you take that leap, be sure to catch Faith in Home Buying, the program that equips people of faith for the home buying process. I'm your host, Tamika Ellsworth, and when we give God our mustard seed, He will move mountains, making the impossible possible. So get practical advice, reliable insight, and useful knowledge on Faith in Home Buying. Saturday mornings at 9.30, right here on AM 1100 KFAX. What is school choice, and why is it important? Every child is unique, and each learns differently. Some might succeed at the local public school, while many others will do better in a private, Christ-centered environment. School Choice allows every family to select the educational options that best fit their children, which is why for the 10th year running, KFAX again offers families our back-to-school half-off tuition program. We understand how costly a quality education can be, so we've partnered with some of the most prestigious Christian schools throughout the Bay Area to offer half-off tuition for the coming fall term. The program applies to families enrolling a child for the first time. Nearly 300 Bay Area families have benefited from half-off tuition vouchers. Why not yours? Discover how a biblically-based education can radically change your child's life. For all the details and a map of participating schools, visit kfax.com. What does your perfect wedding day look like? I'll bet you've imagined it over and over again. The crisp spring air, the fresh grass giving way beneath you as you walk towards your future. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman. I'm inviting you to join me in my free Married in 12 Months Challenge, where I'll teach you why now it's your time to find love and the tools to become a bride. Just sign up for my free Married in 12 Months 5-Day Challenge at lovestories.com. The challenge begins June 10th at lovestories.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Back to the conversation with Jim Grassley. Jim, let's spend some time talking about what's going to be going on in the NFL. Uh, we've seen recently this whole rash of names, Adrian Peterson, Ray McDonald of the 49ers, Rice that we mentioned a moment ago, that are being accused of not uh, parking ticket violations. It's pretty serious stuff here. And, you know, from my viewpoint, I see the behavior of these men, and I don't see them as uh, big, strong men with testosterone out of control. I look at these as men that have no character, no sense of appreciation for the opposite sex or or values whatsoever. Give us your insights. You served as chaplain of both 49ers and the Raiders for many years. What's going on here? Well, um, I, I've had also had the privilege of writing three books on the NFL, essentially, well, or football and faith. Um, and the last one, Guts, Grace, and Glory, uh, Guts, Grace, and Glory, is a football devotional. And I've had the opportunity to interview some of the top stars in the NFL, to be in a locker room with some of these guys, MVP players, uh, coaches that have won Super Bowls. Uh, I can tell you this, that as bad as it may seem, because it is it is bad, I mean, one incident is bad, uh, that it's actually, it might shock you, that the incidence of arrest and uh, violence in the NFL is less than the general public. In the general public, it's 8.6% nationwide people will be uh, arrested for a felony. In the NFL, it's 2.8%. Of course, when your neighbor's beating up his wife, that doesn't make the headline news. That's but right. when Ray McDonald does it, it does make the headline yes. news. And, and I'm not at all uh, trying to say that um, that uh, uh, somehow the NFL uh, is that much better in society. I think it's a reflection on society. In the last 
month. I've been asked by three major newspapers to write articles on this whole deal because of my books on um, uh, guts, grace, and glory, and character, and the NFL, and all that. And uh, you're right, Goodell and everyone has their hands full. But, you know, um, there is a trend towards a positive. I talked off the air that the NFL has instituted policies now that uh, uh, teams have to have three meetings during training camp on character-related issues. It could be finances, other things that they are having to deal with. Um, I also mentioned that um, a number of these guys who are in trouble now are guys that do, did not have a positive role model at home. Uh, Ray Rice, as an example, his dad was shot to death when he was one year old. So these guys are growing up without the positive male influence in their home. Uh, they go to college where too many college coaches have been interested in the football game and the score and winning a trophy rather than building character. The Vince uh, Lombardis and the uh, the John Wootens and the uh, uh, Tom Landrys of, of that time, uh, they, those guys need to be around these coaches, uh, you know, if they were alive today. Part of this needing to break the cycle, I mean, you mentioned about the history of Ray Rice, and this is not to pick on Mr. Rice, but that he never had proper role modeling because he lost his father as a very young boy. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, whether we're talking about uh, violence that spills from the NFL outside of the gridiron into the home to what we see going on in society today with these statistics. And, you know, granted, uh, we've become a very violent society. We solve we international conflicts by uh, shooting at each other. We solve disputes by it's like the gunfight at OK Corral. We teach our kids a hey, great way of entertainment is to go play a violent video game. We watch yeah. all these movies that are all around very strong, violent right. themes. So I, I, part of it, I see it as the entertainment business and a desensitizing that has gone on over many generations. But I have to wonder, too, at the the bigger picture, at the 30,000-foot-high viewpoint, Jim, that you have on this, if part of what is going on here is that we have seen a layer of broken homes, broken relationships, um, ineffective or non-existent mentoring or discipleship, and then that falls generation after generation after generation. At the end of the day, is it any wonder that we find ourselves in society where we're at today? Uh, John Wooden had a great line. It says, sports doesn't build character, it reveals it. And I I think we've lost our way, uh, what I try to point out in my articles, we've lost our way as a society that we no longer value character as we once did. That integrity and a man's word, uh, this kind of thing, we, we don't value that the way we used to. And uh, but I, in defense of the NFL, I will say not only are they doing some positive things, and we have great uh, uh, chaplains that are uh, part of our uh, institutions, and they're becoming as important as assistant coaches now in helping men with their character. But you know, uh, I was very good friends with Steve Wisniewski, 13 years in the NFL, eight-time All-Pro, uh, Napoleon Kaufman, who's now a pastor. <laughs> Uh, Kevin Gogan, who's up in the Northwest, and uh, Kevin Gogan and Steve Wisniewski were were put on the uh, cover of Sports Illustrated as the meanest men in football. The meanest men in football. That's the way the story read. And yet, I have had those guys in my home a number of times. And I can tell you they honor their wives, they love their family, and outside of the football game, they are 
solid Christian men. But when men don't have that anchor of faith in the NFL, they can go awry because of the money, the temptation, and all the things that are there. Let's spend a moment as our time winds down and talk a bit about the R3 men's conferences that you do all over the country. First, the R3. What are the three R's? Revive, Restored, Relaunch. And so our uh, we used to be Iron Sharpens Iron. Most of the people in the Bay Area would know us as doing those kind of conferences. We now are three R, Revive, Restore, Relaunch. But the difference, coming back to the Promise Keeper illustration, where Promise Keeper failed is that the men were listening. They weren't participating. In our workshops and conferences, you have two breakout, two main speakers, then breakout sessions where you can get together with guys who have like issues that you're dealing with, whether it's addictive behavior, pornography, financial, uh, being a better husband or whatever. There's workshops so that you can sit down and get some practical stuff. And again, folks can get information about any of the upcoming conferences on the web at mensministrycatalyst.org. That's mensministriescatalyst.org. Well, they asked Jim, can anything good come out of the San Francisco Bay Area? And the answer is yes. Yes. And we're so appreciative of uh, your ministry that began here many years in the San Francisco uh, Bay Area many years ago and is now spread across the country. So keep up the good work. And anytime you're back in town, uh, look us up. Well, certainly one of the good things, and I'm not just saying this because I'm here at KFAX, has been KFAX. Uh, anytime I'm back in the Bay Area, I listen to you folks, and you guys are doing a great job, especially you and your show. Well, Thank appreciate you. that. Thanks again, Jim. Again, the latest book, by the way, Finishing Well, Finishing Strong, newly published by Thomas Nelson, all Bay Area bookstores, as well as Amazon.com, and of course, through Jim's website, where you can also get information about the upcoming conferences that he mentioned at mensministrycatalyst.org. That's mensministrycatalyst.org. And our thanks again to Jim Grassi, founder and president of Men's Ministry. Ministry Catalyst for being with us on this segment of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. These days, if you think about the key elements in making a church successful, take several things. For the pastor, it calls on administrative skills, fundraising abilities, church growth skills as well. Yet rarely do we find one individual that excels in all three. It's it's quite seldom. And as a result, a lot of churches perhaps struggle. If we take a look at the landscape today, we know that um, more often than not, churches are, are struggling to try to kind of find that, that sensitive balance to be successful at what they do. These days, there are plenty of TV programs that talk about makeovers, everything from new hair clothing and makeup for a whole new you to the redesign of a restaurant and a new menu back at the kitchen. But what about a redesign for a church? What about a makeover for a church? Well, there's a brand new program that will give your church a potential faith lift. It debuts this coming Monday, November the 11th at 10 p.m. Pacific on Nat Geo. And joining us right now on this edition of Lifeline, we're pleased to have the church hoppers join us today, Rev Glad and Doc. And guys, great to have you with us. It's great to be here, Craig. Thank you. Let's talk a bit about the concept behind all of this. As I mentioned, a lot of folks that have any experience in, in church growth or day-to-day operation of a church recognize it takes an awful lot of skills. There's kind of the, the front end of things, the outreach, the evangelism, the church growth side. Then there's the operational side of things, the, the business end, the raising the money, the spending the money to keep every aspect of the church alive, healthy, and moving forward. You really have to have skills at an awful lot of areas, but I suspect it's few and far between to find a church congregation that has leadership that excels in all these areas. 
Well, you're exactly right, Craig, and it's hard to find a business that would excel in all three of those areas as well. Uh, I can tell you from experience. So that's why the three of us decided as, as leaders individually to join forces and create a consulting company called the Church Hoppers that ultimately has the trio of what we feel like ministry is missing in consulting and in coaching. Most ministers that have been through seminary and are leading a church, pastoring a church, the last thing they need is someone telling them how to preach their sermon or how to uh, more effectively reach the congregation through the Spirit. They, they have avenues, having gone through years of education and, and mentorship for those elements. But what most church leaders lack is the very thing that you explained. They lack strategic expertise in business, the overall business plan of the church, um, and it's not about it's not just about making money. Business is not about making money. It's about be- being effective at whatever you're passionate about. And they certainly lack the human resource element in a lot of times, a lot of cases, especially on the inside. You know, it's easy to do ministry to folks, but sometimes it's hard to be ministered to, especially when you're in church leadership. And we say that from experience. And then, you know, how how are they promoting their ministry to their tar- target audience? Uh, which target audience obviously would be a business term, so let's say to their community, the people that they're trying to reach. So those three areas are where myself, Rev Kev, my partner Doc, and my partner Gladimir, we go into these ministries and we try to help improve them in those areas. And if nothing else, we're providing them with an outside perspective of those areas. So you guys are bringing unique sense of uh, skills to the table that cover really every aspect of, of church operation from both kind of the, the back end, so to speak, and to that I refer the operational side, the business side, to the front end, how you're reaching the community, how you're grabbing them, and then ultimately how you're keeping them. That's correct. Um, this is Glad. Um, we we, we kind of take a, a comprehensive look at everything. There's a lot of research that we put into um, uh, a, a consulting opportunity before we before we ever even walk in and do our our hop, as we call it. We we do a lot of research. We've been contacted by these ministries. We start to entrench ourselves in the in the culture and their community, understanding who they are as a congregation, the people that um, you know that they're trying to attract. And it, it is true in, in in church culture. Whether or not we want to uh, embrace it or not, we, we surround ourselves with individuals that are are like us, and that's why there are so many uh, churches out there across the denominational lines. Because no church is perfect for everybody, so we, we help them find their unique um, uh, DNA. And and my particular area is kind of the parking lot to pulpit. I I like to start evaluating everything that we do from the moment that I lay eyes on the facility. And I think a lot of times folks don't really pay a great deal of attention to that because they feel like because of, you know, the fact that the Spirit is being, you know, spoke about and, and ushered in to these ministries that sometimes the things that people see and experience kind of get left, you know, to the back burner. So, so, so it's thought, kind of when you guys then swoop in on a community, you kind of go in the front door kind of like a, like a customer, so to speak, the consumer side of things. And I, and I for the benefit of the audience, I don't wish to seem to be demeaning the the spiritual side of, of what we do in church ministry by, by no means. But let's face it, if you're new to a town and you're driving down the street and you see on a corner an old, tired, dilapidated building, you're not even quite sure that it's a church, then you, you 
you kind of discover there's a reader board over covered with with ivy and that looks like the church hasn't pa- been painted in 30 years, there it's going to be less attractive for you to want to go and sample that church Sunday morning with your family than a church maybe a couple of blocks down with nicely mowed lawns. They've kept up the manicuring of all of the shrubbery. The church is freshly painted. It looks inviting. So I guess we have to look at some of this as kind of like a like a consumer, don't we? Oh, Craig, dude, uh, you, you're a church hopper. Um, we, we indoctrinate you as an honorary church hopper already. <laughs> so absolutely. I mean, you've got it. Um, you know, you think about the retail environment, the consumer culture that we live in, and how things rapidly change around us. I mean, go into any retail environment, and I promise you, one week to the next, you're not going to see the exact same things at the front door. Uh, and, and in almost all of them, you're going to see a well-manicured, well-maintained facade that anybody would be proud to shop at that place. So, I mean, you couldn't be more right on on that particular element. It's perfect. We live in a consumer culture, and we've got to think like that. We've got to we've got to preserve the integrity of the things that we value and believe in, and we've got to do it in a way that is attractive to something you said there a minute ago that was perfect. Attractive to your potential customer, and that is your community, the people that you're trying to connect with. They are your church's customer, and that is very important. Doc, when you guys roll into a church um, and you sit down after you've had a f- had chance to do your investigation and now uh, come up with an action plan, are a lot of pastors shocked at much of what you share? And I ask that question because I think of the way I sing in the shower. I am uh, I could be a rival of Pavarotti. I'm so good, and yet and yet I realize if I if I try to carry a tune down the hallway here at the radio station, most people dive for cover, and I hear office doors slamming all about me. It, it never quite sounds to us the way it sounds to others. So we're inclined to think we preach the best sermons, we've got the greatest choir, we have the, the best oratory skills from the pulpit side looking out toward the congregation. Are they shocked to find out that the congregation doesn't always agree? Well, Craig, uh, my perspective on this is a lot like if you came to my house and my wife and I had a had a basket of clothes that was there. And that, those basket of clothes been there for about three or four weeks, five weeks, and you walked into my house, you looked and you said, why is that basket of clothes sitting in the floor? I've been there so long that I don't even see that basket mm. of clothes. And that's the same thing that's going on in church today. We in church have gotten so used to doing the same thing over and over and over again that we do not even realize what we're doing. And what happens is, is when we as church hoppers come in and we, we deal with this world, that they're they're in. It is a shock to them because many times the ministers and the and the staff they don't realize exactly what's going on. Rev Kev is is the confronter of our group. He confronts a lot. Uh, myself, I'm the convincer. I'm convincing people that that they can be who they are and the uniqueness. And then Gladimir, he's the comforter. He comforts those ministers in many cases. So when we come in as a whole, we realize our position, but we also realize that many times when we bring the truth out to them, that sometimes it's embraced, sometimes it takes a little while to get there, but in the end, the specialness is they get to be who they are, and they will embrace that at the end. 
Change, of course, can be challenging for any of us to accept and to embrace, but change is what the church hoppers are bringing to churches all across America. The new series, as we mentioned, will premiere this coming Monday. That'll be at 10 p.m. Pacific on the National Geographic Channel, and it's an opportunity to learn how to rethink the way we do church. It's not suggesting that it's necessarily broken, but some churches can use a facelift in some areas or another to maximize the impact of their ministry and make sure that they're doing everything that they can to serve the community in which they reside. Again, the program premieres this coming Monday at 10 p.m. Pacific on Nat Geo. We'll take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation with the church hoppers as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Lifeline. If you've just joined us on this edition, we're visiting with the Church Hoppers. We've got Rev, Glad, and Doc with us. A brand new series debuts this coming Monday. That's Monday, November the 11th at 10 p.m. on Nat Geo. Church Hoppers essentially swoops into a town or a community and helps bring about change to churches that are struggling. Now, you mentioned um, just before the break, Doc, about some of the resistance that's often met. How do you go about smoothing that over? When when churches tend to kind of be steeped in the way they do things, tradition for many, um, certainly many denominations, is a big, rich, important part of our history and our heritage. You guys roll into town and say, now, wait a minute, you got to make some changes here. How do you deal with that kind of resistance? Well, I think what we look at many times is, is we understand their DNA a lot more than they do. And I believe that because we're on the outside looking in. Sometimes when you're on the inside, it's so close to you, you do not realize it. So in resistance, the resistance actually becomes a power. Because in the, in, in the whole process, it's about a win-win. Many occasions, let's say that we have a minister that, that is resistant to something that we, we believe that's there. Well, the truth of the matter is, if, they, if we can convince them to do what they don't want to do, that may that that's going to be an asset because what they do is they stand up for what they really believe. What we're finding more than anything else with these ministers, if they will stand up for what they believe, then it makes an impact. But when you do not stand up for what you believe, then I think the scripture talks about you're cast to and fro and, and you're unsure. You reach for one thing and it works and then you reach for something else then it doesn't. The power of the conflict then becomes the power of the church hoppers because we're actually able to orchestrate a direction for them that they will fight for. So you just, that's what we're looking for. You're essentially then you're flipping that energy. I mean, obviously a church that is passionate about what it does, and there might be somebody in the congregation that wants to resist change, and they will stand up and they will be vocal about it, and they'll they'll state their case and and argue their viewpoint in front of the board of deacons and and an elders meeting with great passion. What you want to do then is is redirect that passion and energy in a positive direction that can get the church moving forward again. Well, that's true. Craig, this is Rev. Kev. One of our strategies, which we'll share with you, is that uh, in a lot of cases off-camera and in some cases on-camera during episodes, you'll find that we are strategically trying to get the, the church leadership to unite again as a team. And in some cases, that's against us for a short period of time. So you're exactly right. We're taking that energy and that passion that they may have misdirected and uniting it again, creating a nucleus of power. And then in, for a short period of time, in a lot of cases, and as, as Doc uh, accurately described me, I, I'm typically the guy that's going to confront these pastors on issues. So as you'll see in the Country Salvation episode that's premiering Monday night, November the 11th, 
there are there is some some scenes in there where Pastor Roseburn and I um, we, we 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 got let's just say we got a little excited with each other and uh, but he never doubted our our love for his ministry our love for the word that he's teaching and our passion for the cause of Christ. So really and then is a rethink in the sense that we need to move from the, particularly from the pastor standpoint, the me versus then, which which sadly is kind of what is sort of an indicator, I think, of the beginning of the demise of a church when it's the pastor against the congregation. And so it's rethinking that no longer me versus them, it becomes us. It becomes teamwork then to move the church forward. That's exactly right. That That is... We are successful when we leave a congregation after the reveal, which is the, uh, the celebration of the things that were accomplished, both inside and the construction makeover. When we leave that congregation and, and see the, the united front again, then we feel like we've been successful. We mentioned about the premiere coming up on Monday. Again, uh, for listeners, that's Monday, November the 11th, 10 p.m. Pacific on Nat Geo. Um, in terms of some of the, the highlights that you guys can share with us of the shows that have been taped so far, what do you expect the viewer, the listener, to take away from this program? Well, this is glad. I think they're going to take away uh, a few things. They're going to get to see, as we've mentioned and, and, and spoke about many times so far, about uh, the, the leaders unifying and, and, and coming together and, and, and being you know, passionate about what they're doing. You're going to get to see a unique style of worship. It's going to be different every single week because we're going to be hopping all kinds of different uh, religious organizations, from cowboy churches to biker churches to uh, Jewish show. Uh, the first episode, uh, you know, at a country church out in Vail, North Carolina, and then you're going to see a physical transformation of the facility. So the viewer is going to get, um, uh, along with that format, uh, the personalities of the church hoppers. You got you got Rev Kev and Doc and I that you know, frankly, we don't always agree. You know, we we, we poke fun at each other and we have fun within the within the format of the show and uh, and our strategies. You know, when we come together uh, as a team, that's a that's a fun experience. So the viewer is going to be able to to get to know us as as individuals and our personalities. See these churches unify. You'll get to see their unique style of worship, and in the, ultimately the real reveal service, you'll get to see that all come together in a physical transformation of the facility. And when you guys roll in to do that, I mean, it it really is um, nuts to bolts, isn't it? In terms of not just the way the facility looks inside and outside, but also too in terms of the presentation, the engagement of the community, which I guess for some congregations is becoming more challenging. If we look at the advancement of technology these days, my goodness, um, on average. Uh, young people today get more news and information watching the Comedy Central program with John Stewart or details off of Facebook or Instagram or Twitter than they receive from the, the old uh, stodgy uh, network evening uh, nightly news program. So are there aspects, too, when you're helping churches better understand the way in which they can integrate with technology, too? Well, this is Rev Kev. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure how many times it uh, exposes itself on the show, but I can tell you in our daily consulting efforts with ministries all over this country that one of the greatest needs they have is, is uh, assistance with, with social media, uh, website enhancement, or in some cases development, um, because our, our, leadership, our church leadership on average is, is, a, is an aging group of individuals. So uh, yet another change. You know, we don't ask the churches, we, we never ask the church to change their, their, their belief system or their, their, their message. All we're asking them to do is much like Tylenol done uh, when I was a child. They went from only offering it in a liquid form to offering that Tylenol 
in a, in a multiplicity of, of different ways. And so that's what we're asking these churches to do. And social media, uh, using IT is, is definitely a way that most churches can use our, our help. And again, for the, the pastor to understand, this is not a, a question, as you point out, Rev, of changing the message. I mean, if we think about the cathedrals that were built uh, four or five hundred years ago, they had great acoustics. Why? Because they needed to carry the human voice throughout the entire sanctuary because amplification simply didn't exist. It hadn't been invented yet. But today now, we design sanctuaries for comfort and for seating and for visual, and we're less concerned about the acoustics because we have amplification. The message hasn't changed in all those years, but the methodology in which we deliver the message changes. And maybe to some degree, that is that kind of a, a core aspect of the message that you guys are communicating on the Church Rescue? Well, it is. Uh, we, we ultimately are living by the Great Commission that Jesus Christ um, commanded the church to do. And what we're, our, our sole purpose to boil it down is to see the church grow numerically, financially, spiritually, and physically. If we can accomplish that with efforts from our experiences, both successes and failures from our individual aspects, then we've been successful. This is certainly going to tune in, uh, turn out to be a, a tune-in, a must-tune-in, I should say, uh, for listeners every week, and you can get treated to the premier broadcast. The new series, again, premieres this coming Monday, November 11th, at 10 p.m. Pacific on Nat Geo, and it is Church Rescue with Rev Kev, Glad, and Doc. It's going to be an exciting time, an opportunity for uh, not only the church that is undergoing the makeover to experience how to move the church forward stronger, but even for the viewer. There's going to be a lot of great takeaways, so make it a point to tune in again this Monday, 10 p.m. Pacific on Nat Geo. Well, guys, we appreciate the time and the insights. It sounds like it's going to be a fun program, and thanks for dropping by and spending some time with us today. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us, and if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.